So yeah, let's talk about this ridiculous Pat LaFontaine statline. <laughs> what was it again? So in 1981-82, playing for Detroit CompuWare, Pat LaFontaine in 79 games had 175 goals, 149 assists for 324 points in 79 <laughs> games. That is uh, that's I don't fairly know, stupid. I don't know how that even works. Like... Well, you, you score a lot of goals. Yeah, and but like at a certain point, don't they just tell you you're not allowed to play in this league anymore? But I mean, are there other higher leagues to kick him out into? That's 4.1 points per game. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you can't get him on fantasy. Oh, man. Can't, just the goals alone would have made got you to the championship. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 16 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. And we're going to introduce ourselves this time because we forgot to last time <laughs> until the final seconds. I am Jake. Sitting across from me is Evan. Hi, I'm Evan. And I'm Jake. <laughs> we've we've gone over this. Hey, already. did I say that I was Evan? Are you Evan and I'm Jake? No, I'm you. You're me. <laughs> no, you. I, I'm me and you are you. We've got a packed schedule, so we should yeah. probably dive in. There's a lot uh, going on. It, it wasn't going to be that packed, and then a bunch of shit happened. And so here we are talking once more. It's funny how that happens. We're going to talk just kind of first week and a half, two weeks of the NHL season. There's been some interesting developments, including a big-ass humongous trade. Yeah. We, there's been a bunch of COVID issues already popping up. Jordan Stahl, patient zero, is a zombie, <laughs> and he is ruining both my Red Wings and my fantasy hockey team. He's just the fun killer. He is destroying all of the joy I have in my life. I mean, he's a defenseman, so that's sort of part of his Jordan job. Jordan Stahl is a center. Oh, damn it. That Mark Stahl's a defenseman. Mark Stahl. Well, Mark <laughs> Stahl is playing for the Red Wings and playing relatively poorly, so that's also true. <laughs> but then we're going to spend, we can't really call it a preview since it already started uh, and we apologize for that but we're gonna dive in on the nwhl the national women's hockey league and do uh, some kind of belated preview of their their two-week bubble experience and hopefully we'll bring some people into the fold and the joy that is women's hockey and uh, but i think we'll we'll dive in starting now with some nhl news so big ass humongous trade alert Big ass, humongous trailer. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard that the disgruntled forwards on Columbus and Winnipeg, Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois, have been swapped along with other parts and pieces, including Jack Roslovic and a third round pick. Jack Roslovic coming to Columbus from Winnipeg and the third round pick going the other way. If we could just dive in, I guess, on the winners and losers here, I think the most obvious winner is Jack Roslovic. Yeah. Because not only was he done in Winnipeg, like he was he was over it. He had they weren't going to really be able to fit him in mm. to their money situation. Okay. And essentially told him that and he wasn't willing to take a lesser contract. So there was a big stalemate there. He hasn't played yet this season. But he's also a Columbus native or an Ohio native. So he's heading back to Ohio. He gets to go home and hang out with his parents instead of being trapped in Canada. Not that you're trapped in Canada, but, you know, COVID reasons. Mm -hmm. Canada just says no to all foreign invaders. <laughs> <laughs> Both parasite and human. Whereas, you know, him going back to Ohio, they're like, COVID isn't real. Come hang out. Yeah. Our governor has botched this up real bad. <laughs> I mean, he's probably just hanging out at his parents' house, eating home cooking and doing what I did in my brief stint going back home. No, he's probably sitting in a hotel room by himself. He's got a quarantine for a week before he can join the team. And do they stipulate it's he's got a hard quarantine? They can't, I like, think so, okay. yeah. All right. And, and also, if I were him, I wouldn't want to just jump right into hugging mom either. Like, I would probably be like, hey, once this is, mm -hmm. once the season's over, I will give you a fist bump <laughs> love you mom also i think columbus in general just wins this trade right like oh absolutely to be determined but line a is a better scorer than than pierre Dubois. he's got one of the best releases one of the best shots in the nhl he's 
scored more goals than all but i think nine players since he entered the league <laughs> he's an immense talent Pierre-Luc Dubois does have the ability to be a great center which mm-hmm. is very hard to get in the nhl and, and a big one at that yes so in a way it looks not too bad for winnipeg but anytime you give up a, a like bona fide superstar like patrick line you better hope that the guy you get in return ends up becoming the superstar that you're giving up the line loses the best the most here he no longer is catching beautiful saucer passes from blake wheeler (laughs) and mark shifley he is now trying to corral passes from max domi and whomever else columbus decides to throw out as a as a center these days because now their center depth is wrecked right they traded for max domi specifically to get a 2c and then they traded their 1c so now they've got almost nothing up the middle Though, I mean, he didn't exactly leave them much of a choice. No, he essentially made it clear that he was quitting on the team Uh, after kind of saying all the right things and through both his play and his. Are we talking about PLD or line? PLD. I mean, it was it it was his play that got him benched for half the game. Yeah, your sourpuss skating around the rink like a lost toddler. He wasn't really even skating. It was he was gliding like that was the issue. Yeah, (laughs) it was just like, oh, you are giving less than thirty five percent. Like, no. So John Tortorella, obviously a very conservative, defensive-minded coach, has routinely chased star offensive players out of Columbus now. Chased is probably not the right word, but Artemi Panarin, Matt Duchesne, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there is a long line of high-end talent that has decided that they would rather not re-up with Columbus. Right, and there's a lot of kind of speculation from the outside, some closer to the Blue Jackets, some further out like us. I've spent a decent amount of time just like talking to people on Reddit in the past like 24 hours about this trade. And also you can sort of throw Rick Nash into that equation as another star that's left. But all of the stars, including him, have departed for different reasons. And not many people have bad things to say about torts. It's like I'm a little bit flabbergasted as to why all of these players keep moving. I know the market it figures in. I know... Being in Ohio in the midst of a pandemic probably figures in. There's word on the street that some of those players in the locker room are a little bit on the uh, the conspiracy theory liking end. And, uh, you know, maybe he didn't fit in, in the locker room. But it was really interesting to uh, hear his interview Saturday night as a part of Hockey Night in Canada. You know, he didn't really get the sense that it was actually torts. It may have been the, the act, you know, doing the doing the good soldier thing but that's what i got out of that interview i think we watched right. the same in the one where he smiled like an idiot for the entire inter- interview I mean, it was last night yeah so and smiling like an idiot like not that he's an idiot but like he just had that he's, much yeah. joy in, yeah. in in his veins at that point he's in winnipeg already quarantining yes or, and yeah he said that the the question of tours was brought up and he said that when he when he would got drafted by Columbus. He asked around and asked some players who were on the team and players who had left the team what their experience was. And everybody says that he is hard on you, but that's because he expects the best from you and Mm -hmm. he wants the best from you. And that that was what he's going to take away from his experience in Columbus. That to me, and maybe that's just through the lens that I'm viewing it, but that to me felt kind of like a backhanded compliment like i thought it seemed more genuine than i was expecting that answer to like i I feel like it was coached somewhat but it was also i don't know i'm a little bit less suspecting that torts is the big problem i don't like what i took away from that was that the negotiation for his contract is really where he started to feel slighted and i don't know if that is because of the gm or just how the sausage of making a new contract gets made in the nhl but you know he seemed to really lean into the I felt sort of dissed as a human. If the contract negotiations didn't do it, asked last night by the uh, the coverage team for Columbus's game, they interviewed Jarmo. He, they were like, how difficult is it to part with the number three player in the draft? And he said, it's not difficult at all because we got the number two player in the draft. <laughs> and 
That was not even, I think, a thinly veiled sort of slap in the face. Oh, there was more to that quote, too. He, yeah. There was... It's no problem He brought more slap, I think, yeah. later on. So he's <laughs> he's clearly very excited to have Patrick Laine, as I think most teams in the NHL would. Patrick Laine doesn't really play defense, Mm-mm. or he plays it, just not well. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits into Columbus, into their system. Yeah, especially with a Finn as a general manager and Torts as coach. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. If I'm Patrick Laine, I try and buckle down on the defensive end a little bit and get my goals. And hopefully Columbus can find somebody who will get him the puck. Moving on, uh, just also huge, I think, for hockey fans in the United States, NBC Universal Comcast announced that they're shutting down NBC Sports Network because it doesn't make money. The first inclination is that they're going to move all NHL and English Premier League games and NASCAR over to the USA Network, which is basically a network of reruns. <laughs> Interspersed with an occasional NBA game? Yes, but they <laughs> charge more for USA, I guess. Hmm. It comes down to like the amount of money that is charged to the consumer based off of a subscription. So NBC okay. Sports Network is something like a dollar or something like that, or a dollar thirty. One dollar. And ESPN is eight dollars. Hmm. So they're making a lot less money. NBC is or Comcast Universal, whatever, is making a lot less money. And USA is actually more expensive to the average consumer than NBC Sports Network. So by moving everything over to USA, jettisoning NBC Sports Network, and then moving their premier crap to to Peacock, their streaming service, they're going to make more money. That's what, that's all this is, is a mm-hmm. money move. They are Cardi being. They don't dance now. They make money moves. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, you don't like Mike Babcock on our network? Okay, fuck you. We're going away. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking my pony and going home. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't shake out to be a situation where we miss having NBC Sports network well i mean if they just move the coverage teams over to usa it's not really a big loss i think Mm -hmm. to consumers it's a lot of gymnastics just to watch one sport it's only going to get worse over the night like if you're a big 10 sports fan you have to have fox espn and big 10 network in order to watch one team yeah i'm kind of going the way you have with college sports and just Sign of deciding it's not worth it. Yeah, well, especially with the the news that Michigan is shutting down for two weeks because of they've caught the the new COVID variant. That's great. I'll I'll jump on this this pedestal again at another time. <laughs> but why are we forcing kids on scholarship to play sports right now? Right. All they want to do is bone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. Speaking of COVID, Carolina Nashville postponed. Carolina Florida postponed. Carolina, everybody postponed. The Um, hurricane has been canceled. Yeah, yeah. It is no longer hurricane season. I think next week we'll probably be doing a big bit on COVID and hockey. We've talked about it before, but it's now it's affecting the NHL. And so we should probably need to talk about it again. But also the Washington Capitals (laughs) Russian contingent, which is most of their good players. Yeah. (laughs) Decided to party in Ilya Samsonov's hotel room Mm -hmm. without masks. They're just playing cards. Yeah. Yes. Just we were just playing cards. And totally not plotting demise of democracy. They they all are suspended. Is it a week? Well, it's suspended? a it's not an actual suspension, but it's a de facto suspension. Yes. So they all have to go into the COVID protocols for a week. Uh, I believe Samsonov is the one who was in, actually infected, and the three others to go in for a week of precautionary evaluation. I'm imagining them like working out in a hotel uh, exercise center. Well, there was talk that if you, because you're not allowed to be around the team, Mm -hmm. and there was talk that Jordan Stahl, who is fucking patient zero, (laughs) there's always one person that ruins the fun for ruins the party. I bet he's great at parties. Uh, So he he's the guy who comes to like the college party and turns the lights on. Like, no, we were just going by the lava lamp and the, the Christmas lights, and now the bright lights are on and everybody can see the stains in each other's clothing. There was talk that he had to stay in a hotel in Detroit, basically. Yeah, he got until, marooned in Detroit. Yeah, until he's allowed to rejoin the team. So, Because you have to quarantine and you can't get on a plane when you've tested positive. <laughs> Hopefully they got him a nice bed or something. Like, Yeah, I do sucks. sort of feel bad for him, but 
Uh, I don't. You know, maybe he just made a little fuck up and now has to pay hugely for it. Yeah, you know what a little fuck up in uh, COVID has, does? 400,000 dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> that got it, dark, sorry. It, it is a series of little fuck-ups that creates the situation that we have now. Yeah, you're very right. Some interesting wrinkles to that. If they had been hanging out in a common area, which are provided to them and have to be, they'd have been fine. Even if COVID had been transmitted, just the fact of them hanging out in a hotel room was what kind of did without their, masks yeah it, what it, that's what led to their having to not play hockey for quite a while i can understand it you know the league is actively trying to get the sharks back into california into their home building so they really have to be seen as being hard on rule breakers and seen as being really proactive at keeping covid numbers down you know, not unlike a ref calling a first penalty on maybe a questionable slash to keep a game under control from the, from the get-go. I mean, right. it, as a ref, that's something that I've always found valuable. You totally see the other side on this one, too. It was interesting. Uh, Ovech, Ovechkin's wife, Nastia, took to Instagram to get Nastia. She ser- shared paragraphs both in Russian and in English, just so nobody uh, misunderstood her. And frankly, what she wrote is hard not to empathize with. Uh, According to her, both Ovechkin and Orlov have antibodies. And yeah, they were in a hotel room, but they have a lot of close contact during games. They hug each other after goals. They, you know, are on the ice and on the bench, breathing heavily next to each other in close proximity. Things we've talked about before with virus transmission. So, you know, she was saying, well, everything else is more of a risk. Why should they be penalized for just hanging out in a hotel room? And yeah, I can see that she has a little bit of a point. But exposure time is a crucial factor in ke- and keeping players separated off ice is part of the league's, you know, strategy to compartmentalize them and help keep them uninfected and playing. So, at some point they also have to draw. And I think this kind of highlights an important part of the COVID precautions that, you know, a lot of people either within the NHL or junior hockey or, you know, amateur hockey just don't seem to get is that it's not always going to be fair. And this shit is not always going to make the most sense, but we have to cut the problem in some way and we have to draw the line somewhere. And so, you know, there has to be consequences for people that don't follow the established plan once the plan is established. And there's, there's a way to justify bad behavior in your head, no matter who you are. You can cut corners in your head and then you cut corners in your life. That's human nature. So uh, I can sort of empathize with her pushing back on what happened, but rules is rules. And Alex Ovechkin and Dmitry Orlov and Evgeny Kuznetsov and Ilya Samsonov have to set. Yeah. I mean, that's just, them's the rules. Them's the breaks. It sucks. Like sports are a luxury right now. Mm-hmm. They're a luxury all the time, really, but even more so in a pandemic. And they are serving a purpose for, you know, the, the plebeians <laughs> of the world in that they are a distraction from the fact that we can't go to restaurants, we can't mm-hmm. go on vacation, we can't get on planes, we can't see our families who are on the other side of the country. You know? So they are a very welcome distraction, but they're not necessary right now. And so within those constructs or within those guidelines, if you break the rules that allow sports to continue to exist, like we and I'm sure the athletes want them to, then you... you you have to face the consequences. And while I completely understand the set sentiment there, there are rules in place. They were broken. Now there are consequences. Yeah. As Spock said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Sure. Speaking of COVID, Dallas actually played hockey and quite well. Uh, I was actually thinking about betting on that game against them because of all of you know the fact that, yeah, they haven't been able to play yet. And all of these other teams, you know, have a couple... They've essentially had a preseason, whereas Dallas has not. And then, nope, (laughs) they just steamrolled. Dallas just got an extended preseason camp is what they got. Like, Did they get to practice the whole time? Those that were not infected did, Mm. yes. Which, granted, they had 17 players on the COVID list, but... You know, still, you get they get some extra work in. Team reporters are talking about how the practices that they would like view from high up in the stands had like the vibe of a AHL practice, (laughs) just because there were so few people. It was like Miro Heiskanen and Asa Lindell just passing the puck back and forth to each other. I mean, really, that's that's a good workout. That's all you need. That's all that team needs. And then, you know, speaking of the effect of COVID, I think it's kind of notable that the teams that didn't play in the bubble most of them seem to have reinvigorated 
themselves, at least this year so far. You know, the Sharks, Red Wings, Devils, Ducks, like they all seem to have taken a bit of a step from last year, uh, at least to the eye test. I mean, I know, you know, you're a little frustrated, especially after dropping two to Chicago, but I would say the Devils look a lot better. Yeah. Uh, Jack Hughes has turned the corner, I think, and we're going to see him being great going forward. But the other teams, Detroit's going to be at the bottom of the central chicago moved up in the standings but outside of those two games against detroit who is a bad team and understaffed because of jordan stall they looked awful the sharks honestly like i watched one of their games and was like oh that's right they still have martin jones and everybody <laughs> on their team is really old so i mean i think the sharks and the ducks and the kings still looked bad yeah i don't know it, it seems like a lot of these bottom teams are at least moving in the right if if i were a team right now that should feel the most pressure based off of how they've come out of the gate i think it's edmonton Mm -hmm. edmonton has looked bad very clearly missing oscar clefbaum on their back line Mm -hmm. they also as we postulated in our season preview they need help in net and they don't have it they didn't go out and get it in the offseason right and they also they signed mike smith who then got hurt and then they lost their third string goalie via waivers so which is also a hilarious troll job yeah i loved that please give me more of more that. of that this season please so they're real. they they got so bad that ken holland kicked the tires on jimmy howard to come and be their backup or third goaltender and jimmy howard decided he would rather retire <laughs> so like oh, when you're juicy. getting dissed by end of career jimmy howard you know the situation's rough and like, I'm not going to take anything away from Jimmy Howard. He was a very good NHL goaltender for a long time. But right. last year was bad. I, and who knows if how much of that was him. his doing and how much was the team in front of him. But it like, was a lot of both. But it doesn't matter. It's still going to wear on you as a yeah. player and, and goaltender. And so, yeah, no one faults him for just deciding that the game is up. Edmonton, I think, is the team. And, you know, and maybe Vancouver. Vancouver has been in some competitive games and has lost some blowouts or like uh, they've also given up 33 goals in seven games. It's really become clear to them how much losing Tyler Toffoli hurt. Like, well, Tyler Toffoli had five of those 33 goals. In yeah, two I know. Games. Right. <laughs> and like specifically, he's the guy that is now burying your team when you thought you were burying him somewhere. He wasn't going to play you when you probably let him go oops <laughs> whoopsies <laughs> oopsie shits yeah they get to face him like what seven more times this year good luck yeah. with that but how good do we feel about prognosticating the effect that that would have yes <laughs> i feel excellent about it so i think edmonton and vancouver are the two teams that i am really surprised at how bad they are kind of like mildly surprised that buffalo can't score goals um but other than that, I think the teams that are bad, I th- was I thought were going to be bad. And the teams that are good, we thought were going to be good. So the National Hockey League is not the only professional hockey league playing quality hockey right now. We apologize for not getting this out before their season started. Uh, we we did talk about it. Yes, we, we tacked on a lot of stuff to our discussion on diversity in hockey last week. Mm hmm. Part of that diversity is the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, is starting their 2021 season, started it yesterday, which would be Saturday, the 23rd. And we wanted to make sure that we covered this because it's awesome. We, both Evan and I, watched quite a bit of the games yesterday Mm -hmm. and watched a little bit this morning. I actually have the NWHL Twitch up watching part of the Metropolitan Riveters and Connecticut Whale game right now, which oh, is nice. three to three uh, going into the third. So it should be a good finish. Sweet. So the NWHL is awesome. It's it's <laughs> it's so much fun to watch a, a very different style of hockey. Uh, sure. There's there's a, it's a lot more of a skill and speed competition as opposed to a physical competition. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting to see how hockey kind of plays out. And I think it's, it's probably very similar to, you know, and like, I'm not saying in skill level, but like flow of the game, how like our roller hockey games go where there's, there's not the bone crushing hits or the, like, like the aggressive physicality that you see in an nhl game but Mm -hmm. it's more of like a finesse speed finding open open space 
and then using that skill to you know make dazzling plays uh, and the dazzling plays not so much on our beer league roller hockey team <laughs> but definitely in the nwhl in the national women's hockey league because i've we've i've probably watched about four or five hours of hockey just uh women's hockey in the last day and a half and it's really fun we first we want to apologize and say we're sorry we didn't get this out before the start of your your wubble as they are calling it the what the wubble <laughs> the w h u b b l e the wubble uh, the women's hockey bubble that's amazing uh, <laughs> uh, we we so we didn't get <laughs> so we didn't we didn't get this out ahead of time but we're gonna try I'm gonna try and get this editing done by tomorrow night so we get we still have a decent amount of women's hockey left for for people to kind of chomp on after hopefully listening to us yeah and how much longer are they playing they're playing for two weeks total so we've got one when this gets out hopefully they'll have about 11 days left and people should really tune in um and people have been tuning in as you pointed out they had about seventy-five thousand viewers yesterday, which is awesome. Uh, the games are being switch uh, switched. <laughs> the games are being streamed on Twitch for the first the the opening rounds. I guess you would say like the regular season. They're doing okay. a seven-game regular season, and then they will use those seven games as seating for a semifinal and final. All of the games are being streamed at Twitch TV. Twitch TV slash nwhl and the semifinals and finals will be shown on nbc sports which uh, will be really awesome for the game yeah that to is get cool. that to get that national audience and the twitch streams have been pretty great the commentary is lovely uh you're getting like similar i don't know parent level humor i to uh nhl hockey games some questionable puns the uh, uh <laughs> yes. so many questions <laughs> i mean honestly Hockey is made more enjoyable by the insertion of questionable puns. The uh, Twitch chat is pretty wholesome. And I don't know if that's because it's well moderated or if it's because people just don't want to be hugely toxic on the platform. I imagine some of both. But, uh, you know, overall, the vibe watching these games is fun. It's not a Twitter comments thread or a YouTube (laughs) comments thread. Let's put it that way. Or a a crack streams comments thread. (laughs) Before we kind of dive in, there were three games yesterday. There's already been one game so far today that is completed. There is another game that is going on right now. So if you are, well, I guess you won't get to this, but if you listen to this, jump on their Twitch stream. It's been really great to watch. Yesterday, Saturday the 23rd, the Metropolitan beat Toronto. Metropolitan is based out of New Jersey. Metropolitan Riveters. Riveters, yes. Beat the Toronto 6-3-0. Minnesota Boston, which was kind of billed as like the match, the two best teams from last season. And a, a match of the a rematch of the cup game from last season that was canceled due to COVID. Yes. And so that finished two to one and a bit of a surprise. Two to one Minnesota over Boston. And that was amazingly tight game that, you know, both of these teams are obviously very good and competed very heavily against each other like you know that game had like three different sub games in it it was really exciting the watching after minnesota scored their second goal Mm -hmm. at not watching them kind of choke the life out of the game but use their speed to make sure that they were getting the puck out of their zone and having some offensive pressure to alleviate the massive amounts of offensive pressure that boston could put on them yeah was really cool to watch it was like just like this really good we have this lead let's not sit back and only play defense let's make sure that we get some offensive flow and keep our team keep playing our game so that like we don't lose that lead i think that's a consequence of the talent that they have i mean they did kind of tighten up on the defensive zone a little bit but they also had oh, this, yeah, absolutely the forwards had enough speed to you know, still be present outside the zone. And then the la- the late game uh, was Connecticut, the Connecticut Whale, <laughs> playing the Buffalo Buttes. Uh, Connecticut won two to one in a shootout this morning. Minnesota topped Toronto in a shootout six five after Toronto was up five two earlier in the game after the second period. And then currently uh, going into the third period, it looks like they're warming up right now for the third period. We got a three to three game, Connecticut and Metropolitan. Also, before we dive in, Evan and I are not going to pretend that we are aficionados about the women's game. We hope to at some point be, but right now we definitely aren't. We're 
trying to learn as much as we can in a short amount of time. So we really want to thank the blogs and the websites that we used to help us write this kind of pseudo preview. Uh, the big ones would be the Ice Garden, which is SB Nation's women's hockey blog, is excellent. They did a super in-depth preview for this season with team profiles, veterans to watch, rookies to watch, and you know just kind of expectations, that sort of thing. We also liked Sports Are From Venus. I love this name. It's a great <laughs> name for a blog and also really a really cool idea. It's a blog that wants to level the playing field and provide an arena for everybody who likes sports to like sports and talk about sports. And then also the Victory Press, they have a ton of in-depth uh, analysis about women's hockey, not just the NWHL, but also other leagues throughout the nation. Especially college. America. And then finally, we also use the score.com and then Sportsnet's NWHL season previews, which were both super informative. But it was really cool to like kind of dive in and do the research on this and find that there was more writing than I could digest in 24 hours. That was hard. It's really cool to see how this is starting to pop off. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things we will do is when we post this episode to our website, we will post links to the articles that we used so you can dive in as well. And kind of get an idea of, you know, like what we talked a lot about last week about building a community. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways you can build a community is picking a team and diving in. And so read through these team profiles, read through the background profiles of players and coaches and the movers and shakers in the game and dive in. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Same with some of these writers. Victory Press, especially, I kind of came across it doing the research for the ref. Uh, the women's rough piece. And there's a lot of really good writers on that site. And, mm -hmm. you know, some really interesting th think pieces, mostly about hockey or women's hockey, but some just about, you know, sports and COVID in general. And then like, you know, the economics of sports and, and, I don't know. I feel like they have a, a similar tone and uh, interest in what we're going for. Uh, we wanted to give kind of a, a brief background on the NWHL. For those uh, those listeners out there who have never heard of or do not normally pay attention to women's hockey. Or like my brain sometimes thinks NW means Northwest because I'm just programmed to do that living yes. in the Northwest. And so I'm like, wait, national women's like I have to like, well, well tell myself. Like, also, not, to be fair, when I moved here, I was like, I saw a WHL and was like, oh, they've got a women's hockey league out here. That's cool. And then it was like, no, that's the Western <laughs> Hockey League. You're an idiot. So it's cool that there is actually also a women's league. So this is the sixth season of the NWHL. They started in 2015. Uh, this will be the, only the fifth championship that they give out. Uh, as Evan mentioned earlier, Boston and Minnesota were not able to play. The only game that got canceled last year in the NWHL <laughs> was the Isabel Cup. And so this, so technically, uh, Minnesota are the reigning champs from 2019. Yeah. And a... Maybe the same, but also maybe new champ will be crowned in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, they're definitely still in competition for it. But watching some of these games, it could go really to anybody. I mean, I think yeah. I think Minnesota and Boston, you know, they're cut above some of the rest. I haven't really seen Connecticut, Buffalo, or Toronto play either one of those teams. But yeah, there's a lot of talent. They're cool. playing in, in Lake Placid's classic Herb Brooks Arena, doing a tournament style season instead of a traveling season which frankly has me jealous like it's just it's a wobble yeah the, the wobble sounds like two weeks of awesomeness and just doing what you love and a, a two-week hockey tournament sounds better than a fucking vacation it does i wish i was playing in a two-week hockey tournament yeah my knees don't but the rest <laughs> of me right yeah. the physical toll that has to be happening in this wobble must be immense. Like th yeah. they must just instantly go from off the ice to rehab because oh, absolutely. you're playing the next day, if not the same day. Next day, usually. They don't have any double headers. Doesn't look like it. Good, because the double headers <laughs> suck. <laughs> so mean. But uh, that, yeah, just th that intense of physical activity concentrated over that uh, two weeks, like sounds awesome and also e extremely exhausting. That is one of the things that Evan and I can sympathize with is that double headers are awful. Also, when you only have like four players. Yeah. Double head, a double header Iron Man is one of the worst experiences in hockey that you can possibly have. It's like maybe slightly above being interned in a gulag. <laughs> you play double header or you choose gulag. <laughs> and I'm like, 
how long do I have to be in the gulag? <laughs> Your life. Uh, I guess I'll go with the double Iron Man. <laughs> but it's close. Uh, the NWHL consists of six teams. The Minnesota Whitecaps, the Metropolitan Riveters, which are based in New Jersey, the Boston Pride, Connecticut Whale, amen to that reference, the Buffalo Buttes, and the Toronto Six. All teams in traditional hockey hotbeds, all teams rel- within relatively easy access of each other. I'm guessing Boston to Minneapolis is not an easy drive, but I, I love that the teams are all in these traditional hockey hotbeds up in the Northeast. Yeah, they kind of have their original six now. Yes. So as Evan said, they are playing in like one of the most iconic hockey buildings of all time her brooks arena in lake placid new york where the miracle on ice happened it's it's iconic because of the things that happened there i have no idea how great of a building it is it looks like a lot of fun it looks like it's not huge Mm -hmm. but it looks like but that's perfect in my mind like a small arena with loud people and a maybe some alcohol ingestion sounds like a perfect recipe for hockey right yeah you can't ask much more fun from a hockey game than like a small barn that's packed with people. Yes. That's why I loved going to Michigan games in college because there were like 3000 people there and they were all angry <laughs> Well, uh, and creative. Our uh, University of Illinois, we had a club team and also I, I think like the tiniest barn that they played in, but it also had Olympic sized ice. And I don't know what you probably put. 200 fans in there but it was so small that it got loud and yeah it was super fun so i you know love that aspect of it most of the players in this league so the the league does not pay a living wage for players to only play hockey so most if not all of these players have jobs have like real real life adult jobs and they've either been given two weeks off to participate in this or most of them are actually also working their actual day jobs (laughs) while doing this while doing this which is the amount of dedication and just like mental fortitude to do two jobs at the same time and do them well is unreal yeah as we've pointed out in the past you know some of them have jobs in hockey or greater Mm -hmm. hockey some of the referees it's an all-women referee crew some of those referees have other jobs some of them in hockey um, in sort of administration. I think that makes the physical aspect of what they're doing that much more impressive because it also makes us identify with them a little bit more because I don't know. We're all telecommuting if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, so, it, so most yeah. of these games are uh, during the week will start at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time to allow these players to work their day job or their adult job or whatever you want to call it uh, to work their corporate job. Maybe corporate job is the best way. I can't wait until we get like a player that, you know, has to miss a game because their deposition ran long or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like like Sally Smith out lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like. Like Napoleon showing up late to Waterloo and being like, <laughs> "Sorry, I was watch. I was at the fax machine waiting for a t- for <laughs> information to come in. Sorry, my Outlook got disconnected." Yes, really, just kind of want to hone in though on the fact that these women are working two jobs. Normally, the league games are on weekends only, and they travel on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And so, for them to be one, for them to be able to either get time off of work or for the w- NWHL to schedule games so that they could get their jobs done and also play hockey is really incredible. Yeah, I imagine a lot of sacrifices had to be made in order to make this two weeks happen. So kudos to those that did, and thank God we get to watch. We briefly mentioned this earlier. The games are all going to be on twitch.tv slash NWHL. And so, and then finally, the also the semifinals and the finals will be aired nationwide on NBC Sports Network in the U.S. Yeah, interesting to see like what the uh, sportscast will be like for those yeah, I, hopefully, it, hopefully they get the NHL broadcasters. I know. That, I think that'd be sweet. So these six teams are all vying for the Isabel Cup, which is first given out in 2016. And I'm going to put on my ascot here for a little history lesson, because this is a really great story about, you know, how women have played such a crucial role in popularizing the game of hockey since literally its 
Inception. So, uh, Isabel Cup is named for Lady Isabel Stanley Gathorn Hardy, uh, Stanley being her uh, maiden name, noted Downton Abbey character and daughter of Governor General of Canada, Lord Frederick Arthur Stanley of Preston, for whom the Stanley Cup is named. And she's said to literally be one of the first women to love and play hockey. There's some really old, like, daguerreotype photo of her in a white dress playing a bunch of other women in black dresses with like like helmet hair but done up in huge bun like things with hats i don't know what that's called <laughs> but it's a great photo of her being this hockey pioneer and she played a, a instrumental role along with her father in bringing attention to the game they had like a standing family game outside their house and invited a lot of people and then you know held exhibition games and uh, i didn't know all of this and it was really amazing to find out, you know, how intertwined she was with with hockey. So the story goes: these are all uh, they were they're British, and Canada was a, a colony, I guess, at that point. Still but, is, <laughs> just more subtly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so at the point which they were preparing to go back to Britain, I guess Lord Stanley had uh, some other lordship that he got somehow. How one goes from lordship to lordship, I don't know. And probably will never know, but it's an interesting concept. And so as they're leaving, they decide to found the Canada Challenge Cup for the best hockey team. And that's what becomes the Stanley Cup. So, you know, she helped lobby for the creation of the Stanley Cup and the popularization of hockey in Canada. And it's absolutely fitting that the uh, Women's Cup should be named after her. There was already an award named for her in women's hockey, sort of like a player award for active player at any level whose values, leadership, and personal traits are representative of all female athletes. So sort of like a Lady Bing award, but for any active female hockey player at any level. So yeah, that's your, uh, that's your history minute about the Isabel Cup. If you want to get comfortable, you can take your ascot off now. All right. Whew, this thing is... It's a little tight. Yeah. It's choking me. It's the, If you added a cummerbund, you'd just be all dolled up and ready to go to the to the show. Then I would turn into a cumberbatch. The biggest stories heading into the, the Hubble, and <laughs> one of these has actually already been answered, and so we'll just kind of lead off with this. Yeah. Actually, the first two kind of have already been answered. Can anyone stop Boston? And now, we we have seen a team defeat Boston, but can they actually be stopped, I think, is also still a an open question. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot, a lot of hockey left to play in that tournament. So Boston was beat by Minnesota out of the gate, but they have plenty of time for revenge. Yes. So Boston went 23-1 and one last year. <laughs> uh, Guess who that loss was to? Minnesota in a 4-3 victory, in a 43 game, uh, at the last second, too. Yeah. They had a plus 77 goal differential in 24 games. They returned seven of their eight top scorers. The reigning defender of the year in Kaylee Fratkin, the reigning goalie of the year in Lovisa C uh, Sealander, and our... Also driven now, as they have all said in interviews, to prove that they would have won the Isabel Cup last year had it not been canceled. So there is a lot on the table for them to kind of prove that last year's absolutely dominant performance was not a fluke. And they came out of the gate, scored first against Minnesota yesterday, and then gave up two goals and ended up losing the game. But when you return seven of your eight top scorers, including most of whom were in the top 16 in scoring in mm -hmm. the league, there's a lot of firepower. They traded their first pick this year and next year for the rights to draft Sammy Davis out of uh, Boston as their the number one pick. And she just got done absolutely torching college women's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not... they They reloaded... And also, we're already loaded. It's kind of like what Colorado did in the NHL this season. And it's also notable that like half of the players on Boston, or probably most of the players in Boston, it seems like half of the players in the league played college ice hockey in Boston for either BC or BU. And so I guess uh, the BU band is tight with Boston and gave them a band send-off. Nice. Um, uh, the second point that has been partially proven true is maybe minnesota can stop boston minnesota as evan pointed out earlier was the only team to beat boston last year 
Allie Thernstrom was the first woman in NWHL history to have more than 20 goals. She actually scored at a goal a game clip last year, having 24 and 24. They also have Jonna Curtis, who assisted on most of Allie's goals last season and also formed kind of one of the more dynamic lines in the NWHL last season. They, as we said, they they beat Boston yesterday, so they have proven that the Boston juggernaut is not not impenetrable. And or they just seem to have the kryptonite to Boston's juggernaut. It would be a great story if Boston just steamrolled every other team in the league and then ended up playing Minnesota in the finals and lost two to one again. Right. And, you know, there's not like a easily spotted, I don't know, reason that it seems like Minnesota has their number. It's not like they're running zone traps really well for and and that's what's killing him like it just looks like Minnesota gets up to play against the champs or not the champs but the the one of the most powerful teams in the league if not the most powerful team in the league and they bring their A game every time they face Boston. It's like when Rome just kind of found its way in Gaul. <laughs> time and time again and you know eventually the gauls were put down (laughs) and brought into the into the the roman empire but for a long time the gauls fought back yeah and had their way and made the romans cry (laughs) how many roman leaders were decided based off of their success in gaul so Maybe maybe that's not an airtight, but I'm going to leave it in anyways. It's a classy reference, yeah. that's for sure. I, I you know I want to bring more history into the into the podcast if I can. Uh, but all so, you need is an ascot. Oh well, we can share yours. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just trade it back and forth, and there no, be, I have the talking ascot. <laughs> there will be wardrobe malfunctions, <laughs> <laughs> nipple slips on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe Minnesota can finally be the Visigoths that sack Rome and burn it and end the Roman Empire. That is the 23-1 and Boston season. We'll see by the end of this year. The last really big kind of outside of the fact that they're even having a season that they're able to manufacture this, the, the wobble and able to play these two weeks, which is that is actually the big story. Uh, but the other is that the Toronto Six are making their debut this year. Brand new team. When they started off, all of the teams were owned by the league mm. and were part of like a centralized sort of system. Oh, okay. Toronto and Boston are now independently owned. That's cool. And so there is a push amongst league leadership for that to be the model going forward toronto is they come into the league already actually kind of stacked like on paper with talent they're coached by women's hockey coaching legend digit murphy who coached at brown for a long time played at cornell and had was coaching in the canadian women's hockey league until it folded the last time a team came into the league was minnesota in 2019 and they immediately won the championship So there is a precedent for new teams to actually come into the league and take it by storm and really kind of supplant their legend right off the bat. Oh, hey there. You got a hockey league? Well, we're the state of hockey. Uh, Can we put a team in your league? Oh, we we won the league? Oh, geez. Oh, gee, golly. Don't you know? Oh, man. Oh, man alive. (laughs) That just that just just put some meat on your bones. (laughs) (laughs) So so there is a precedent for teams taking off and doing really well right from the get go. And so we'll look to see how Toronto does this season. So finally, we were talking just a little bit ago and we've talked about this several times about how, you know, building community really is, is a great way to get invested in something. And with that in mind, Evan and I decided we're going to pick a favorite team. Absolutely. Who we are at first going to root for blindly and then educatedly <laughs> in the near future. Hopefully by the end of these two weeks, we'll have a really good idea of why we are still rooting for this team. But we're going to stick with it regardless of how well they do or what happens. Unless like some appalling thing happens like a Todd Bertuzzi type style incident. And I will drop the Connecticut whale in a heartbeat. It, it's like... When you go into the ice cream store and there's 
a thousand flavors and you have no idea what you want <laughs> and you choose one and it just works for you. And then you never try any of the other flavors because they might be bad. So I'm rooting for Minnesota, partially just because of my connection to Minnesota and, you know, state of hockey, it, nice to see them get some cachet there. And uh, one would assume that, you know, a women's hockey team would be successful commercially there, if anywhere. I am going to, well, first off, before we get into who I am going to root for, mm -hmm. I think state of hockey, I don't think they deserve, Minnesota deserves that moniker. That's fine. Whether or not they if, actually deserve it. If you lose your NHL team, <laughs> you don't get to be the state of hockey. We've talked about yeah, white right. Missourians calling themselves Midwesterners. <laughs> this is kind of the same thing. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not you, wrong. If you lose, that's like Seattle being the city of basketball. Your team left. You couldn't keep them. Bah humbug. <laughs> All right. Moving on. I am rooting for the Connecticut Whale. They're an original team in the league. So Detroit fan. Love uh, the fact that they're an original team. They have had very little success over the last two years, uh, or last couple of years, winning seven of their last 56 games going into this tournament, Yarg. which has a distinct 2019-2020 Detroit Red Wings feel <laughs> to it. We do love an underdog. Yes. Uh, plus, they're the whale. The nostalgia factor is off the charts there. I love the Hartford Whalers wish like hell that Carolina would move back. And uh, the fact that the NWHL team came out and were like, you know what? We're going to run with it. Mm -hmm. And their logo is a whale with a hockey stick for a mouth. It's awesome. They've got a great thing going there. They have, I think, the best logo or best logo and best uniforms in the league, although the Toronto Six logo is excellent, and their jerseys are pretty great. They also beefed up their team this year. They brought in Alyssa Wolfire uh, from Boston and number two pick Kayla Friesen, uh, both who bring firepower to that lineup. I believe Kayla Friesen had her first goal in their first game uh, last yesterday. They also have Brooke. Uh, Wille I'm going to butcher this last name, but Brooke Willegeko kept connecticut in a lot of games that they had no business being in last year much like jonathan bernier and the red wings and we all know that in playoff hockey and let's not fool ourselves this is all playoff hockey like mm -hmm. i know they're calling it a regular season quote unquote but it's playoff hockey you're playing for your life it's essential it's almost knockout hockey i would say tournament hockey sure so all, we all know that a hot goaltender can get you very far in that sort of hockey. If you've watched the NCAA Frozen Four over the years, you've seen how a hot goalie or even uh, J.S. Shiger with the Ducks back in the day, mm -hmm. a hot goalie can take you places. And so if Brooke Wilejko can get hot and stay hot, then I think the whale can really produce this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful of at least a semifinal berth. That would be really awesome to see. I think that's a great choice. As I just stated, you know, playoff hockey or tournament hockey, I think is there's a lot of room for a Cinderella story. There's a mm -hmm. lot of room for magic to happen. I think over a seven game series, the cream usually rises to the top and you usually get the best team that, mm -hmm. that wins. Over a seven-game round robin, anything can anything happen. Anything <laughs> can happen. For example, Connecticut won their first game yesterday. They won two games all of last season. So we can see some crazy things happen in this tournament. And so Evan and I, I don't think, are going are in a place where we can make predictions or prognosticate at all. No, we're just we're, excited fans. Yes. And and really happy that you know this is getting the platform it deserves. Yes. So we're going to root for our teams, the Whale and the Whitecaps. White caps. The Whale and the Whitecaps in the Wubble. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, some good alliteration yeah there. um the english major in me just had a little bit of a of a heart attack i guess what we're trying to say is watch some fucking hockey bud pull out your tablet or your smart tv or your computer or your, or your phone chromecast or, uh, chromecast is winning my life in covid right now yes uh we have the fire tv and i'm a big fan mm, uh, twitch has an app on the fire tv yes yes yeah, so we talking about that yes so the it's again it's twitch.tv slash nwhl they're streaming all the games there there's a lot of great content on the website they do a really good job with their website read up on the game watch the game enjoy it it's hockey hockey is awesome you should be enjoying all the hockey yeah and when we're stuck inside not playing hockey just mainline that shit into my veins man yes so i think dive in enjoy it 
you can join one of our teams or you can find a team of your own. We're going to keep watching. We're thrilled to kind of tune in. Hopefully you are as well. We're going to get this content out as soon as possible so mm-hmm. that you can dive in and get this kind of backstory and hopefully bone up on those the the readings that we did and kind of just have fun with it. It's a lot of fun. And hopefully you find a new team to root for. Should we plug the sources again? Yeah. One last so, time. The Ice Garden, SB Nation's women's hockey blog. Sports are from Venus. The score.com's NWHL preview. Sportsnet's NWHL. HL season preview and then the victory press has continuing coverage of women's hockey at multiple levels thank you for listening to us talk about women's hockey there for a bit we really hope that you take us and other sources and kind of dive into women's hockey it's a lot of fun we're having a lot of fun watching it i'm gonna watch the last game after we're done recording here instead of watching the nfl good for you and we're we're just kind of excited for hockey of all shapes flavors and persuasions and so being able to watch women's hockey and stream it and watch it live as opposed to like getting highlights maybe like three days after Mm -hmm. is a huge step and so we're really excited for that we hope you're excited too they're working their butts off out there in lake placid least we can do is draw more attention to them and hope that that snowballs into you know more sustained uh growth of the league Yeah, it's one thing to be in a bubble for three months like the NHL players were when you're making millions of dollars a year. It's another thing to be in a bubble for two weeks when your actual nine to five job is being super impacted by it. And And probably your family and, and, you know, there are sacrifices that are being made. So, yeah, we should pay attention. Sacrifices in the name of hockey. And so, yeah, pay attention, Mm -hmm. watch the sport. Buy some gear, buy some merch. Oh, that's a good good yeah. point. I should buy some merch. Yeah. We're excited to support those teams and and those the women in the league, and hopefully you are too. Go white caps. So uh we're gonna pivot back to the NHL because there's some interesting storylines that we're just gonna touch on as as we sign off here. Artemi Panarin shared a pro Alexei Navalny post on Instagram. Alexei Navalny, those that don't know, is the one guy that opposes Vladimir Putin in Russia, and uh, Vladimir Putin does not like it. Needless to say, uh, Artemi Panarin or any Russian athlete coming out pro Navalny is a big deal. Oh, like yeah. A really big deal. Huge stones to do that. Other NHL players, uh, NHL Russian players liked it. And so, you know, I imagine they're all certain to be mysteriously jumping out of hotel windows near you. The puck tracking puck, the NHL tried to initiate a very high-end puck tracking and player tracking system this year. The pucks play off of a patch in the jerseys that allow for a lot of statistical analysis that we didn't have prior to. Unfortunately, the pucks don't work. (laughs) Well, they they debuted it in bubbles and then got another shipment of pucks to use for the regular season. And apparently they're just breaking and bad. And They don't have the same feel. Austin Mm -hmm. Matthews, I believe, came out and said, you can play with them, but they bounce too much or they bounce more than a regular puck and so like there's oh, just gotcha. like a slight miscalculation on the like heft of them but apparently and they didn't have a problem with what was used in the bubble so it sort of seems like this is just a manufacturing problem yes. and this will come you know full circle at some point but i loved brad marchand's comment about the pucks he said yeah they wouldn't go in the net <laughs> that was that was the big problem about them yeah <laughs> Jacob Voracek made everybody's sort of wow list when he lit into a reporter calling him a fucking weasel amongst other pejoratives. It seemed like it wasn't provoked in the situation in which Jacob said it. And then you read back and read that this reporter has been like dissing Jacob Voracek for the better part of two years. And so like, good for him for standing up and really, you know, taking this guy to task, even when he just asks like a, a softball question. I mean, I guess that pissed him off more because, you know, he's going to ask a softball question and then probably turn around and write like Jacob Voracek is terrible and should be traded immediately. Yeah. Know? I liked Travis Konechny's reaction sitting next to him, like goes to answer the next question and just has this giant grin on his face Oh yeah, that he can't at all control. <laughs> if you have the internet, which we hope you do, because otherwise you can't listen to us. Uh, 
let's start that one over. You should jump online, jump on Twitter or whatever. Just Google that video. It's great just to, you know, obviously NSFW or not safe for kids or whatever. It's really awesome. All right. So thank you once again for listening to us here at the Handsome Hockey Podcast. We are extremely thankful for anybody who checks us out. Evan showed me today how you check the statistics for where people are. And we've got people listening all over the country, mostly our friends and family. But hey, that's awesome. It's cool to, to kind of see how we are reaching people throughout the country and throughout the world. There are some unexplained specs on the map. So thank you, unexplained specs on the map. Yeah, we, we love you. We appreciate the hell out of you. Keep listening and reach out to us. Uh, we've got all of our, we're all over the internet. Handsomehockey.com is the website. Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter, or you can email us at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We want to receive feedback, comments, questions, or if you just want to like send us some flowers, that's cool. That would be amazing. Yeah. As creatives starting out on a creative endeavor, we live on feedback. Even the smallest pieces of feedback I find motivating, even if they're critical. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And shout out to my brother who taught me how to Instagram this week. So that's <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for listening and we will talk to you soon. Stay handsome, everybody. Thanks.